All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Lemo. Two days to Thanksgiving. Appreciate you guys tuning in, listening, um, up in your sales game, even on, on an off week. So um, let's get straight into it. Uh, for this week's conversation, I've got uh, Jeff Harris. Jeff is the co-founder of Parchment. Um, he founded Parchment basically just right out of school uh, 17 years ago, and they just got acquired in February. And he explains the whole process. We got introduced from a mutual friend uh, who is, um, you know, a mentee of Jeff's. And, uh, you know, Jeff explains pretty much the whole process from, you know, if you're interested in anything entrepreneurship related, he goes through the whole nuts and bolts of, you know, why he started a company. He started with two business partners. Both were, you know, a few decades older than him at the time uh, when he was in his 20s. Went through the whole process of, of trying to get uh, investors. Uh, he got some, you know, friends and family money. I think his his parents fronted him um, a little bit of money uh, that was, you know, quite risky for them. And he ended up being able to pay them back, you know, tenfold uh, after the acquisition or, or, you know, during the ride. But he was really, you know, throughout the whole process of the company, the solo salesperson for a long time, and then really like the chief sales evangelist throughout the duration of the company. He was not leading a sales organization. He was not, you know, directing people. He was the person, you know, feet on the street for 17 years. And, you know, we talk about that, that whole path of, you know, going through uh, not just the phone book back then, but going through and, and literally just driving through towns and they sell to schools and school districts. So he says he's been to pretty much every single school and school district in the country at this point, you know, the back roads of, of Mississippi, up in Washington, you know, you know, East and DC or Virginia, and he covers the, you know, everywhere that you could imagine and has had those types of conversations. And, you know, from someone that has gone from the very beginning, we've talked to some founders here on this show, we've talked to CEOs, but from someone that has had a successful exit after what he calls his life's work, 17 years on the grind of building up that company and the ups and downs that come with it. So, you know, Jeff and I talked very candidly about that, what it was like to, you know, do all that travel, um, what it was like to, you know, try to take, you know, investing money from his friends and family and owing that responsibility to pay them back and make sure that he didn't lose their money. Jeez, uh, man, we talked about uh, what it was like when they got acquired and how he celebrated with his family, which was pretty cool and, and what he's up to next. So, um, you know, Jeff's got a great energy about him. I think, you know, you're going to get jacked up just listening to him. He's really, he's an excitable guy. Uh, he's got a ton of wisdom and he's someone that, you know, we have some thinkers that come on this podcast, right? People that recommend a lot of books and, and theories. And Jeff is, is, he's just a true practitioner. You know, he's someone that just day in and day out did the work and, you know, grinded it out. And I think it's an inspirational story. And I think you're going to learn some tactics on, on how he actually did that. So we skip theory, we get straight into, you know, the meat and potatoes of sales and how he built up that company. So uh, I think you're going to like this episode. If you do like it, I'd love for you to check me out. Uh, first of all, if you're on Apple or Spotify, subscribe to the show, leave a review on Apple. That's what helps this show get more reach reach more of you people. Uh, I, there's no ads on the podcast. There's no money being made on the podcast. So I um, would love if you could spread that reach or share it with a friend, pass the link around, uh, share it out on social media. Uh, if you're on YouTube, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a comment, like it. You can see what uh, Jeff and I look like and, and can kind of vibe with us on that too. Uh, if you want more or want to chat me up, you can hit me up LinkedIn, Tom Alamo, and I'm Tommy Tahoe on Twitter and Instagram. So I get back to everyone's messages. Uh, LinkedIn might take a day or two uh, when the inbox gets clogged up, but I do get to every, every message. So I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. If you were to check out the podcast, if you showed it some love, shoot me a message. Um, you know, with the spirit of Thanksgiving, I am very grateful that you people turn in on a weekly basis to hear what I have to say and what my guest has to say about sales. So um, major shout out to everyone that's listening. I'm very grateful and very thankful for you. 
Um, hopefully you pass some of that love on to your friends and family, whether you're with them this Thanksgiving or it has to be virtually through Zoom or FaceTime given the circumstances. So without further ado, it's a Tuesday before Thanksgiving. You got a million things to do. I'm gonna shut up and I'm gonna bring you into my conversation with Jeff Harris. Let's go. All right, Jeff Harris, welcome to Millennial Sales. How we doing? We're great. Thanks for having me. It's a real honor. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's great to talk to you. How how are you doing today? I'm uh, I'm well. You know, it's a it's a tough time on uh, on a lot of people, but uh, we're making the most of it. And uh, I think, like most sales professionals, we keep a open optimism. You know, optimism, and uh, you 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 push through. So that's what that's what we're doing. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, no, hey, I'm I'm doing good. I I'm a strong believer in op that optimism is a strategy, right? So, uh, you know, you don't just see things with rose-colored glasses, but yeah. if you think that tomorrow can be better than today, then you know it keeps you moving forward. So, I'm definitely I definitely uh, resonate with that. That's good. Yeah, I think the worst is behind us. I mean, there are some there's going to be some tough times for a little while, but I'd like to believe that good times are ahead. And you know, if we think back. Uh, you know, seven, eight, nine months ago to where we were, it was, uh, it was a golden age. And I think yeah. we'll get back to that again, uh, you know, in the, in the short term. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, well, I'm excited to, to dive into your background um, a little bit and just kind of go through, you know, the journey of what the last, you know, 20 so years has been uh, throughout your career. So, um I know a lot of the success in the vast majority of your time has been building parchment, but you know it looks like before that you you actually founded a company, Vroom, for a few years. Um, so I'd love to hear just you know thinking about that. You know you're at Pepperdine and you came straight out of school, and it looks like you know unless you know your LinkedIn is is lying to me, like you came straight out of school and started that company. So uh, could you maybe take me to that place uh, mentally and? kind of what you were like and what prompted you to go straight from such a great school. Um, to, I'm sure you had your pick of the litter of jobs, but you chose to go down a, a path of being a founder. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I always had a passion for entrepreneurialism. That's really what I wanted to do. Uh, my sales career was kind of an accident, and, but, and I'll share that with you, but uh, really I, I wanted to start something and I, I was very fortunate to have been in, uh, college during the mid to late 90s. And a lot of people don't know, but that was what was kind of referred to as the dot-com boom. That's really when the internet kind of first started to become mainstream. And as a result of that, there was just a flood of capital out there that was propping up all these new ideas. And so it was a really exciting and, and, and I guess almost easy time to become an entrepreneur. If you had some some smarts and you had some energy and passion for something, you could get a, you know, a, a company off the ground. So um, I, I started uh, with a, a small technical staffing company uh, that I, I saw as being a good opportunity. And then unfortunately, the dot-com boom ended. It ended right up, you know, really after September 11, the tragedy there. Um, and so I was kind of put in a position where I had to make a decision for myself what next? And I always had this idea uh, of trying to modernize the way transcripts were requested because I had had some issues getting my transcript to college. And I had seen that the college admission process was kind of evolving from being a very manual process to being something that was going online. So kind of right time, right place. And that's what gave me the idea for parchment. And uh, yeah, it's been a, you know two decades since we started and it's been an incredible journey and uh, I'm so proud of it. Yeah. So can you, can you walk me through a little bit about what your transcript process was uh, during your college days that kind of planted that seed in your mind and then how that, you know, how that turned into really the idea that you wanted to run with? Yeah. I mean, back when I was growing up, if you needed your transcript, you had to go into your high school counselor or registrar and ask for it. And they would print it out or maybe photocopy it. And then they would address an envelope and put a stamp on it and mail it. And you kind of did this. You crossed your fingers, hoping that it would arrive at the college. And then, you know, I kind of saw that, that by the time I had graduated college, the college application had moved online. So now colleges were telling prospective students, go to our website and apply. 
but the transcript was still going through the mail. And, and that was a real chasm that I saw kind of needed to be crossed. So I, I had two co-founders, uh, a man named John Reese and another man named Mark Cohen. And uh, uh, we were able to create a technology that automated the request processing and delivery of those documents. Of course, today, you know, we, we grew Parchment to become really the most widely adopted digital credential service, um, which allows, you know, learners, academic institutions, and employers to request, verify, and share credentials in a, a simple and secure way. And the platform has helped millions of people and, and thousands of schools. Um, uh, we've, uh, I think, exchanged now more than 100 million credentials in our history. So it's, uh, it's become a global, uh, you know, endeavor. And like I said, something I'm, I'm truly proud of. It's been my life's work. And your, so your two co-founders, did you go to school with them? How, how did you come across them and, and join together? Yeah. So, um, so one of my co-founders is a, a, a gentleman who uh, is a generation above me, John Reese. And he was a, a brilliant entrepreneur who had had an incredible uh, amount of success and, and really was, the, uh, he was our CEO and, and rightfully so, because I was really young and, you know, didn't really have the, the wherewithal to be able to build a big company. Uh, and then my other co-founder, uh, I had met him through my, my staffing business. Um, he is a, a product guy, a product guru, really. Um, and so uh, he had a, a unique talent for building technology. And so th those guys had some skills that I just didn't have. But, but they needed someone to sell the product. And I was passionate about what we were doing. So kind of naturally, you know, I was the evangelist and, uh, and, and they, uh, you know, they, they had their roles and that's how we built the company. So John, John Reese was someone that, you know, was maybe a few decades older, had a lot of experience in business. Yeah. What, what prompted him to work one work with, you know, a guy like yourself, who at that point, you know, hadn't really proven himself. He was, you're probably 24, 25 years yeah, old with yeah. no track record and yeah. a, a good sounding idea, but what, what kind of made him want to go into business with you? Yeah, Tom, it's, I mean, it's a great question. And uh, I, uh, I, I would say that, uh, you know, I feel tremendously fortunate to have both of those guys, um, you know, as co-founders, they, they brought so many things to, to, to the business that I never had. But John specifically, I think he knew that it was a good idea, number one. But I think second, he saw the passion that we had for the idea. And I think that that was inspiring to him. And, you know, it's kind of funny now, I'm 43 years old. And, uh, you know, somebody like me, I get inspired by that 23-year-old kid who is coming up. And, 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 you know, I think there's a little bit of a pay it forward uh, aspect to business. Good people want to help that next generation. So there was a little bit of that too. And uh, John was was not only, you know, a real spearhead of, 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 uh, of, of our business, but he was a great mentor and, and friend and uh, uh, somebody I, I feel, um, you know, was, was just crucial to our, our success. My other partner, Mark Cohen, he was also a little bit older than me. He had a lot more experience and uh, he, he brought so much to the, to the business's success as well. So you start the company, right? Mm -hmm. You've got the, the product guru, yeah, you've got the yeah. business veteran, and then you've got you who is maybe more of a natural born salesperson. How, what, what were the early days like, you know, when going from this idea to actually hitting, you know, pounding the pavement to, to try to, you know, turn this into some revenue? How, like, what were the early days? What were the first few sales like? Well, I think starting anything, it's a lot of climbing uphill and it's a lot of trial and error and it's a lot of hearing no. And uh, uh, especially for us, I mean, none of us, no, you know, the, the three founders of Parchment, none of us had ever worked inside of a school. Uh, our own education was our only experience in education. So it's not like we came to it with some amazing domain expertise. Um, but I think it was grit that, that got us through those first few years and a knowledge that what we were doing was really something meaningful and valuable. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, that, that's how we got uh, ourselves from kind of three employees to, you know, eventually hundreds of employees. But uh, it took a long time. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of your listeners 
probably have a, a vast array of industries that they serve. Selling to education is not very easy because for the most part, you're selling to the government and government takes a while to make decisions. It's very uh, committee-based and um, it, it took a tremendous amount of trial and error, uh, making a lot of mistakes before we really started to you know, get, get the ball rolling. And uh, uh, fortunately, uh, I had very patient investors and patient partners, and they allowed me to make those mistakes. And uh, um, I'm grateful for that. So were you, I mean, just take, take me back 20 years ago, right? Because I'm 27. So I've yeah. been selling for five years yeah, and yeah. I'm using LinkedIn. I'm calling people because I have their number from you know, Zoom Info. Yep. I'm, I'm logging it in Salesforce. Nope, we didn't know uh, what I'm, that was. I'm emailing them on Gmail and using yeah, outreach that. for sales engagement, yeah. right? So like, yeah. what's, are you, are you just cold emailing? Are you going door to door, like flying to these schools or driving to these schools? Are you going, yeah. like looking up the, the, the yellow pages? What's the, what's the sales strategy back then? Yeah. So one of the things that was very cool and I think advantageous for us was that the schools and school districts had a lot of these contacts listed on their websites because schools have to have that level of transparency with their community. So it was pretty easy for me to go and use, uh, you know, search basically to find a school district and identify who maybe are the kinds of uh, 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 people that I wanted to connect with. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was phone. It was picking up the phone, making those cold calls. Um, and then eventually, uh, we had to start showing up and, and showing up in these meetings that had at times, uh, you know, perhaps 10, 20, even 50 different uh, individuals in there, uh, all of whom had a stake in kind of making decisions around modernizing processes or procuring new technology. Um, and so uh, you can imagine uh, being a young person uh, a, a, without a lot of experience, that was a, 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 a big deal. Uh, fortunately, I would say schools like kids, they like young people, right? So I had a little bit of an advantage there because being young, um, you know, they, they, they didn't necessarily, uh, I would say, look down on me. Um, but at the same time, I really had to quickly up my level of professionalism if I was going to, you know, be able to bond with, with these contacts and, and convince them to trust us. Um, and, and when you're dealing with transcripts, I mean, that's a student record has a tremendous amount of sensitive data on it. And so the, these schools and school officials weren't just willing, you know, willy-nilly to like, you know, work with us. I mean, they, they needed to know that we could be trusted. And, uh, you know, at age 24 or 25, that wasn't always so easy to do. Um, so uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was challenging in those early days. What did I've struggled with the same thing of, you know, trying to sell to people, you know, decades older than me. Um, and I look, you know, 10 years younger than I probably am also, which doesn't help sometimes. So, yeah. so, so how, like, what, do you remember what you did back in the day to try to earn credibility with those folks when you're, when you were so young? So I think the, the key change that I made, I mean, when I started, I thought it was all about talking and, and, and evangelizing what we do. And I was very exuberant. I still have a lot of enthusiasm for what we do. And I would, you know, call these people and, you know, just go on and on about what we do. And, and I changed my, my way about maybe two years in, and I went from talking to listening. And as soon as I started doing more listening, good things happened because when I was listening, I could uncover the pains that these schools and school districts had. And when I uncovered pain, then I knew I had a solution that could solve that pain. And that's what led to a lot more success. So, you know, today I would say if I were on a prospecting call, I'm probably talking 20% of the time and listening 80% of the time. Way back when I started, I was probably talking 99% of the time and listening 1% of the time. And, you know, occasionally I could get through to somebody, but it's the listening that I think makes a, a, a sales professional good at what they do. Totally. I, I agree. agree. Was there, was there, I do, I do. Was there a turning point for you? You've mentioned like the first two years you couldn't shut up in a meeting. And then after that, it's like, all right, no, I'm starting to figure this out. Do you recall, did someone have to tell you that? Did you just get 
did you lose enough deals where you, yeah. you just started to, to break through to your head? What was there? What was the turning point? Yeah, it, it was just losing a, a lot of deals and, and we didn't have really competition. So it wasn't like they would go with another vendor, but I just wouldn't hear back from them. And mm. I, or they would say, yeah, uh, we're just not sure we're ready to do this. Or, and I was like, there's gotta be a better way. And so I, I started to be more inquisitive and, and take the time to really, you know, understand their world. And a lot of that at back then, you know, there wasn't video chat and those kinds of things. So I had to really get out there to do that. And I spent a considerable amount of my career on the road. I mean, I was a road warrior for probably 15 years, but that's what I would do. I would sit down with these school professionals and, and, and school district professionals, and we'd just talk. And, and I stopped being so over the top exuberant and more of, of, a, of, a, of a peer. And as soon as I started to do that, I could see that people started to respect me more and appreciate me. And, and they were starting to then reveal things to me that they didn't do before. And I was like, okay, now, now I'm really starting to see how I can help these folks. We won some bigger deals. And, and that really was the turning point. Eventually, I, I had professional sales training. This was like five years ago. And I learned that all the things that I kind of became do, you know, to do were the right things. But I didn't know that. I had no previous experience. And so I was just shooting off the cuff. And, uh, and so, you know, you make a lot, you have to make some mistakes. It's okay. And you're saying you just got that sales training five years ago or your yeah, company hired four years ago. We finally had the resource to be able to bring in, you know, professional sales training. It was terrific. And I, 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 I re highly recommend to any of your listeners, if they can afford it on their own or through their employer sales training matters. I mean, get, 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 use some of these techniques. They work. But um, I figured a lot of it out on my own. I didn't have like, you know, necessarily uh, names for everything. It wasn't all like detailed out. But I would say I was doing most of those things, you know, by the time two or three years into the business. And, and that really was the game changer. How about, you know, learning, you know, through books or, you know, back then, you know, listening to, to tapes in the car or anything like that? Were you a big reader? Um, to, to kind of learn about sales or business or success, or was it, were you really just focused so much on the business that you didn't pay much attention to that? Yeah, Tom. I mean, I think I was just so heads down on the, on, on the business that I wasn't really looking at my own professional development. And, and I think had I done that, I, I probably would have gotten further along than we did more quickly. But, um, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and especially when you take other people's money, you know, venture capital, um, there's so much pressure and so much on you to perform that it was an 18 hour day every day. And I was just so focused on, you know, making sure we made sales. So even if I did it wrong, I felt like, all right, as long as I'm devoting my entire life to this, um, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm doing right by, you know, by my investors. And, uh, and so I, in hindsight, though, I, you know, I wish that I had that sales training. I think this should be part of you know, college education. I mean, this stuff really is good training and it really helps you throughout your life. And uh, um, I don't know, I, I think, you know, I, I, I had a business minor in college, but there was never sales training as part of that. Yeah. I mean, there's very few uh, schools that have any sort of sales course, even to this day, if you have sales majors, um, a decent amount have sales courses, but it's pretty high level and it, you know, it should be required because it's, there's so many transferable skills, you know, half the people that graduate school pretty much get into some level of sales, at least to try. Sure. Uh, and, you know, even if you're not in sales, everything can be transferable, you know, you know the relationships that you have, yeah. uh, working with your boss, you know, working with, you know, if you have any sort of customer in any sort of role, um, and, and, you know, even with, you know, friends and family, some of the, you know, just interpersonal relationships that you have. So I think there's so much to be learned uh, from, you know, just taking a sales course or, you know, giving yourself a shot in sales for a year coming out of school. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's just so crucial. And, you know, in today's world, you know, and, and, and it's, uh, it's kind of interesting as we look at kind of our economy right now. I mean, I would say that if you're a good sales professional, you're, you're probably pretty recession proof, right? I mean, every company, whether they're struggling or doing well, needs to continue to make sales. And, uh, um, and so I, I think it's a really, really 
good and valuable career. And it's a career that is, is again, it's pretty recession proof. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think you just got to kind of become somebody that people can rely on and there's always going to be a job out there for you. Yep. And so you mentioned, you know, you were a road warrior, you mentioned the long days, like, could you take me through, I know this is maybe a while ago, but you know, 10 years ago, can you take me through what a normal week or a normal month looked like? Like how much travel was there? What did the days look like? How much time was spent, uh, you know, making calls versus your face to face with people versus maybe you're doing other creative things or, you know, just hair pulling out things that you had to do to make the business work. Could you walk me through what, what that time was like and what an average week or day looked like? Yeah. So, you know, I'm really fortunate and, and I think it was a very wise move um, for parchment uh, that it, it really allowed me and, and wanted me to stay very focused on uh, bringing in uh, revenue um, I was our only sales guy for the, the you know, for several years. Uh, eventually, we started to hire, you know, people, but, but for many years, I was the only, you know, person. So um, I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, payroll, or I didn't have to worry about filling out an insurance application, or I, I you know, my partners did that. I was really solely focused on, um, you know, driving uh, uh, new sales. Um, but most of my weeks really started on Sunday. Uh, oftentimes, because I live in LA and we were, you know, looking to work on a national basis, I was often using Sunday as a travel day, uh, flying out of LAX and going somewhere. Um, and uh, that somewhere could have been Northern Virginia, and I could have been going up and down the Mid Atlantic that week, or it could have been somewhere like, uh, uh, you know, Houston, Texas, and I may have visited some schools or school districts there. One of the things about our market is is that. There, anywhere there are families, there are schools. So I, I really have traversed our entire country. Uh, I've, been, I've been everywhere. I mean, really everywhere, <laughs> to small towns and big cities. Um, but, but a lot of my week was spent on the road. And during the day, I was focused on meeting with uh, a school or school district officials. Uh, and then uh, you know, when I get back to the hotel room, I was doing prospecting or I was um, you know, uh, uh, making notes on, on uh, the meetings I had or creating the presentation for the next day. So it was kind of this constant movement. And uh, I don't know that I could sustain that today at 43, but uh, you know, at, at, at 28, it was a pretty fun and uh, um, uh, you know, incredible experience. And I had a very patient wife. Eventually, you know, we, we started to have a family and uh, it was a lot harder to be on the road. But um, uh, I'm making up for it today. I, I spend uh, you know a lot of time at home with my wife and kids. But uh, yeah, back then that's that's what I did. Yeah how how was that that balance of you know manage you know managing your time with relationships and and family and things like that? I mean, for people that are on the road all the time, obviously you know we're filming this right now during COVID and no one's on the road. But yeah, um, yeah. you know at some point salespeople will be back on planes. Very you know, true. shaking hands with customers, yeah. whenever that may be. So um, how did you handle that? Did, do you think you did a good job? Do you have tips for folks? I, I'm sure I know it was a it was a tough way to balance and, and maybe balance isn't even a really true goal that you can have in that type of a situation. Well, I, I, you know, I think in any relationship, communication is 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 just so critical, right? And so um, in my, you know, personal relationship, I mean, my, my wife, um, you know, she knew what she was getting into and in a very positive way. Uh, I think she saw me uh, for, you know, and, and was attracted to me for my ambition. It wasn't for my good looks because I don't have them. So uh, <laughs> uh, she was attracted to me for my ambition. And she came from a family of entrepreneurs as well. So mm -hmm. she kind of knew that and, and she understood it. And, you know, we had a dream together, which was to build the, the, the business and, uh, you know, eventually have um, uh, 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 you know, a, a certain lifestyle as a result of that. And, and uh, that's happened. And, and so, uh, you know, but it was a sacrifice for, for both of us and an investment for both of us. And, um, you know, I, I think it's not for everybody. And, and uh, it's funny, you know, sometimes I'll say absence makes the heart grow fonder. Um, I think sometimes in those early years, the fact that we weren't together every day 
you know, brought us closer when we were together. Now, of course, the idea of being far apart is not a good, that would not be fun. And uh, COVID is, you know, helped, help, I mean, it's, it's, it's made us so that we're together all the time. And I like that a lot better. So I, I'm, I'm happier being closer to home. And I don't know that I'll ever go back to the road warrior way. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's, uh, it, it, sales is not for everybody. And uh, sales is not for everyone's family. Um, and you kind of got to be in it together. Um, but it is, it can be a very lucrative career. And, uh, you know, people that, that, that want to have a certain lifestyle, sometimes are attracted to sales because of that. Yeah. How, how was the process of scaling up the team? You mentioned you were the lone salesperson for a while. I know you folks got to a few hundred people, but were, were you running the sales team? Did you help recruit and hire and, and then lead them? Yeah. So, I mean, I had a recruiting background, as I you know mentioned earlier in the call, that I yeah. had, had this staffing firm. So um, the only like other activity that I was doing on the side was basically recruiting uh, uh, members of, of the parchment team. And I hired people beyond just, um, you know, sales. I hired, uh, you know, people for customer service or product development or, you know, a variety of, of, of people. And it was a great rewarding part of our, my job because we had just such an amazing team still do. Um, but yeah, we started to have the resource to be able to make some hires. Uh, at first it was just a few people. Um, and then eventually, uh, you know, we, we recognized that there was really a need to bring in kind of sales um, uh, management, sale, like an executive that oversaw sales. And that was not really what I wanted to do with my career. I, I don't really, I didn't enjoy or want to kind of manage people. I really liked what I was doing, just evangelizing our product. So eventually I actually hired myself a boss and uh, that was a good thing that took a lot of the responsibility away from some of the more mundane tasks that I was doing. So I could just focus on, you know, working with the schools and uh, yeah, they, they built up a, a, you know, pretty sizable sales organization. I think today Parchment has somewhere around 50 people in, in, in sales. So it's a, it's a good, good, good team. So how about taking the ego out of play, right? Because you're the co-founder, you've built this team up, right? And a lot of people would probably say, hey, you know, as we're scaling this team up, I want to be the one that coaches everyone. I want to bring in my people to the organization. I want to build the methodology that folks are using. You know, I want to decide, you know, who's, you know, getting paid what and who gets promoted and who's managing our team. Uh, but it seems like, you know, one, you had the, the humility to understand that maybe that's just not your strong suit. And also just follow with like, man, you just love the sales process and love to go out there on the road yourself. And that's just some of what you're strong at and maybe some of what you're good at and, and what you enjoy to do. Yeah, uh, Tom, it's, it's a good, I mean, it's very true, right? We, we did at, at some point, I don't remember maybe 10 years ago or saying we did that strengths finders, which is a, another yeah. exercise that I highly recommend people do. I think you can do it online, but, but it was kind of a, one of those, you know, moments in my life where I was like, okay, I figured out what I'm good at. And then strengths finders is all about kind of trying to maximize what you're good at rather than trying to work hard to improve the things you're not. And um, I really got into that. I was like, okay, that totally makes sense. Here I am and I'm not good at a lot of things, but I, I was pretty good at, at, at winning these deals and, and helping the business grow um, uh, through sales. And I was like, okay, if I can just stay focused on that, that's going to be how I really make my contribution here. Um, and there were so many other things that I could have done that I wasn't so good at and I wasn't very passionate about. So fortunately, the company had the resources to be able to bring in talent to do those things. And um, it, 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 you know, I obviously knew that I had a, a fiduciary responsibility to, to maximize my sales results. But I also had a personal responsibility to myself to do something that I enjoyed and look forward to every day. And, uh, and, and I felt like I was able to, to do both that way. Um, but again, yeah, I was never a guy that I never wanted to be a CEO or a big manager or, you know, run a, a company. That was never my, my interest. I, I just had an idea. I wanted to solve people's problems. And I really, really enjoyed, um, you know, working with the, the, the prospects. That was, that was, that was fun working with people. That, that's what it's all about. Was there ever a point where 
again, you're starting out so young. You don't have a track record. It was probably tough to get your first few customers. You've got venture backing with that pressure as well. Was there a point where you thought to yourself early on, like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Like maybe I'm better suited going being the salesperson at, you know, IBM or Xerox or somewhere else where it's like a great sales organization, but it's a big company and I can just kind of do my thing. Was that, did that ever cross your mind? So maybe it's a unique trait about me. Maybe it's a unique trait about entrepreneurs, but I think that you kind of have to have this blinders on that no matter what the challenge is before you, you're just going to go. And, and that was always me. I just always had this no, you know, can do attitude on uh, that, that failure wasn't an option for me. I just, I was going to see to, to, to make this successful. Uh, So yeah, I never like thought to myself, oh, maybe I should go just get a real job or, and, and early in those days, you know, this was not lucrative. I mean, I, I, I mooched off my now wife, but at that time, girlfriend, I went many, many months without being paid at times. It was not so easy. I was living it with, you know, out of my parents' house. So, um, you know, I I was not doing it because it was lucrative. I was doing it because I really believed in it. And I knew eventually that the financial reward would come, but I, that wasn't my, my motivator per se. My motivator was really just because I believed so wholeheartedly in our solution and what we do. And I don't think you have to be an entrepreneur to do that. I mean, most good sales professionals I know truly believe in what they're selling. And there's a, there's a, a, I mean, you know, whether you go and buy a car or, or whether you go to a, uh, a restaurant and sit down and that waiter or waitress, uh, uh, you know, tells you, hey, our burger is really the best. You know, you can tell whether they're just giving you a line or whether they truly wholeheartedly believe in that. And um, I, I wholeheartedly believe in what we do at Parchment. What would you say to someone, to a salesperson that maybe was unsure and they had seen success and maybe they were thinking, maybe they got a new job or maybe their perception of their old job changed and they're like, yeah, I'm really not too sure. Man, this competitor is kind of kicking our ass or, you know, maybe we've let some things slip or, you know, I've been hearing just from these customers that are so angry all the time, whatever it might be. What would you say to someone like that, that is a good salesperson, but maybe isn't really a hundred percent sold on, on what they're selling? Well, I, I think that you got to look inside first and ask yourself, is, is this the career that I want? Right? Because you, you don't have to be in sales. You could take sales and transition it to something similar. Maybe you become more post sales oriented, or maybe you become support or do other things. Um, but if you, if you don't, you know, if you really believe in yourself, then you got to try to uncover where, where that disconnect is with the product you're selling. And sometimes I think you got to admit to yourself that maybe it's just not the right fit. I mean, I know people, friends of mine, not, not people at Parchment, but I know people that have been wildly successful at selling one thing and not very successful at selling something mm-hmm. else. And it may have nothing to do with them, their work ethic or anything like it. It just sometimes I think product or service to personality there could be a disconnect. And let's be honest, some companies have crappy products or services and yeah. they're, you know, you could be the greatest salesperson in the world. You're not going to get results or they have a bad reputation or other things. So um, it's okay to admit that what you're selling, you're not liking, or you don't believe in. But I think if you get to that point, it's time to go find yourself another job. And the good news is there's always going to be sales jobs out there. Yeah, true, true. And well, so let's say um, for for all the people out there that um, you know, maybe are are on the bench right now looking for that next yeah. role. There's a lot of folks that, you know, unfortunately have been laid off in the sales community sure. this year. Had a tough year. Um, tough. What what would you say would help stand out? Like if you were hiring for for a salesperson that was early in their career and maybe they have a few years under them um, to show maybe a little success, but they can't, they don't have a decade track record, um, you know, right. working at a major company, but w- what stands out to you about a salesperson? Well, I, I think that it's a great question. And I think a lot of people struggle with this. I think the key as a young sales professional is to get good at selling. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to 
I hate to say it, you don't have to love what you're selling, but you got to get good at the process. And, uh, you know, as we've talked about earlier, Tom, if you can get access to sales training through your employer, that's a huge plus, but get yourself to where you're really, you have a good ability to understand and uncover pain that if you can do that, then that's going to help you leapfrog in your career. Um, but sometimes, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody, we all have experience having to sell something that might be more of a commodity or more transactional or more, uh, you know, not, not, not so sexy. Um, but there's also a lot of companies out there that are doing things that are interesting. And I think sometimes if, if you take your own passion for something, um, you might be able to find a, a company that offers something. I, I have a friend, I won't name the, the company, but I have a friend that just became a, a, a head of sales at a, at a large uh, company that, that manufactures baseball equipment. And he is a huge baseball fan. I mean, played baseball, loves baseball. So this is his dream job. And uh, um, I love baseball too. Uh, but I know there's plenty of people out there that don't and wouldn't do as well probably selling baseball equipment because of that. So find something you're passionate in and, and try to pursue that, uh, you know, a, a, as soon as you can. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's great advice um, because, again, you know, I think I, you see people that get into all sorts of trouble when they just kind of pick a job randomly or, you know, they go and they they you know, hunt the extra $5,000, you know, when they're 24 right. to the random company that isn't a great fit or maybe isn't a good company or the, the sales yeah. leader isn't good, but they took that short money over what maybe could have been a more successful track somewhere else or where they were at the time. You know, yeah. I think sometimes that's a, you know, it's interesting that you maybe had the instinctual thought that you were kind of delaying gratification on the, on the financial end to, you know, later in your life, whether you were thinking about it or not. Well, I was, and I think it's, I think that's, um, I mean, I think that's something that the current, you know, young generation struggles with. And I understand why, I mean, every day we're being bombarded by, you know, buying the latest digital gadget or keeping up with the Joneses. It's a very material world and there's nothing wrong with it. It's nice to have nice things and have a nice lifestyle. But I, I, I definitely believe that if you're willing to make a little bit of a sacrifice in the short term, your long term is going to be just that much better. And most of the people that I know that are really, really financially successful through a sales career started off not doing so. I mean, you know, they they were selling something that was was tough and maybe earning three k a month and you know whatever it is and eating eating a lot of ramen noodles. But um, you know, at some point in your career, then you're able to kind of graduate. To, to where you can either sell something that ha it has a higher ticket, you know, to price, uh, uh, you know, ticket value and, and, and you're able to earn bigger commissions or you're able to, uh, you know, earn a relationship with a, a, a company that's much more up and coming and that has a much more exciting market. And so you're able to do something really great. Um, uh, but yeah, I know for a lot of people, um, you know, they, they want to be able to have uh, money now so they can live a good lifestyle when they're 22 or 23. Give yourself a few years. It's okay. Wait. And by the time you're 27, 28, like you, Tom, uh, you know, you'll be just in a much better, better place. Yeah. Life is absolutely. long. It's a, it's a good long life. You know, I know I have to remind myself of that too, because I get, you know, a little too much in front of my skis, so to speak, even at, you know, at 27, right. Knowing that, you know, could be working, you know, 40 more years, who knows? So it's like, you gotta, you know, continue to play the long game. Um, most, well, most successful people I know, they'll tell you, it, it's not that they had 20 or 30 great years. It's that they had three or five great years. And that allowed them to maybe buy that first home, which got them, you know, in the real estate market. And they were able to, hmm. uh, you know, build, build equity and then kind of go from there. Or, you know, maybe they had enough money that they were able to, you know, put it away in the stock market and they were able to, you know, then watch over 10 years that money grow. So, you know, you, you, you got to get to a place where you can, uh, you know, have a couple of really good years in, the in a row. Um, you don't need to have 30, 30 years in a row. Yeah. Did you, um, you know, if you feel comfortable talking about it, did you do certain things, you know, financially as you, you know, as you 
kind of got through those early rough patches where maybe once you moved out of your parents' house, you know, maybe yeah. you got your own place and maybe you were, you know, eating things other than ramen and, you know, kind of, you were able to go out to dinner once in a while and so on and so forth. Like, were there ways that I, I still imagine the majority of your net worth was put into parchment, right? So were there oh, yeah. other things that you were doing with your money, like investing it in, in some ways to diversify that or as a co-founder, you were kind of all in until it was sold or, you know, something happened. Yeah. I mean, admittedly as a co-founder, I was all in until, you know, and really until uh, this last year when the company was uh, uh, purchased by private equity. But, um, you know, up until that point, I was uh, really nothing different than any other salesperson at Parchment. I had a, a, a you know, a W-2. I earned a salary plus incentive compensation as the company grew, that grew uh, to where, you know, it provided me with a more comfortable lifestyle, but uh, I was never uh, by any means, uh, you know, living at large. Um, my wife and I are pretty, pretty, uh, mi you know, minimalist kind of people. Um, we enjoyed, uh, you know, as time went on, we started to enjoy some, some travel. Uh, uh, we got ourselves a, a home and, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, having children is not cheap. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you know, it's, it's really been more lately that we've been able to, um, uh, you know, benefit from that hard work and, uh, it feels really good. It feels very satisfying because we did work so hard and, um, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I always tell people I'll never own a Ferrari or a yacht. It's just not my personality. I, I don't have jewelry. I'm not, I'm just, that's not me. So, uh, you know, I, I like to go to, you know, a, a, a ball game or, um, I, I, I like to make sure that my family is, is safe and, and uh, uh, you know, lives in a safe community. Um, obviously, I like to travel, but uh, um, yeah, you won't, you won't, you won't see me uh, around, you know, driving hot sports cars or anything like that. It's just yeah. not my personality. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so what was that, what was the process of selling parchment like, right? After two decades, pretty much of just you know, going around the country, going to every major city, every small town, every school, anyone that's listening to this, Jeff has been in the school that you went to growing up. Tom, I have, I have, yes. Uh, been to your school. What, so what, what's what, your high school, Tom? Tell me, what, what's your high school? Central Catholic High School in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Okay, well, I haven't been to Central Catholic. I want to be frank with you, but I have okay. been all over New England. Uh, and uh, probably driven close to it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, well I'm from Andover. I don't know if you went anywhere. Okay. Sure. Andover. Sure. Of course. I, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I figured, Hey, maybe you were, you were somewhere in that area. Um, so yeah. after, you know, two, two decades of doing all that, yeah. right. You get to the point where, you know, maybe the private equity either approached you or the yeah. you and your co-founders approached them. I'm not sure exactly really how that works, but what, what was that process like of, man, someone's going to buy, you know, our, our baby, so to speak, yeah. you know, all that's something we put all this time and effort into what, what were you feeling during that whole process? Well, so yeah, I mean, when you raise money, especially institutional money, typically there's a timeline that they give you kind of saying, Hey, you know, we're looking to get a return on our investment in five, sometimes it's maybe seven years but it's not typically two decades. So we were kind of yeah. the anomaly that we had some very patient investors, um, but uh, uh, eventually got to a point where our company had got grown to a certain size and uh, it, it, it really was time for our investors um, uh, to, to get that return. Um, and so it was a, it was a really exciting um, milestone uh, for, for all of us, uh, but, but especially for me, um, I had, in addition to the capital that we had raised from, from funds, I had a lot of friends and family that had written checks. My parents had written us a check. Mm. My brother had written us a check. My brother is a teacher. He was not a high net worth individual, but he believed in what we were doing early on and said, hey, Jeff, let me help you out. So, you know, these were, these were people in my life that I cared greatly for, and I felt a duty and responsibility to give them a return in, on investment. So when we finally did sell the, the company, uh, it was back uh, at the end of January of this year. Um, it was uh, a, really a momentous occasion, really because I felt like I had 
um, delivered on my promise. And that that's, I'm an, I'm a person of high integrity. And for me, that was what was most important and why really why I, I, you know, I kept pushing so hard was I just I felt a duty to them. Um, it was fun to get a check myself too. I, I'm on it. I, I was going to say, what did you, you, I know you're not a car guy or anything like that, but what'd you do to celebrate? Do you, do you go out to dinner that night? Do you like book a trip to Europe? This is pre COVID. Like what, what, what do you do? Well, you, you, you do. And then COVID hit. So it was a kind yeah, of a yeah. muted thing. I mean, we, my wife and I actually had plans to travel this past summer to Iceland, but we oh. never made it because of this. And so, uh, uh, you know, we, we did end up buying a, a new home and uh, we, we've been uh, enjoying the time of, of COVID to renovate that home. And, and so that's been a, a good project and, and things that, uh, you know, it's not extravagant, but, but definitely things that I, I couldn't have done, you know, without, without this success. So I'm very grateful to, to everybody at Parchment for all their hard work, because it was a monumental team effort to get the business to where it was. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying a little bit of my fruits of my labor now, which is nice. Yeah, ab- well, absolutely. So we we kind of we got to go back to the to the family money here because we didn't get on into that earlier. So yeah, yeah. like in the early, did you what was that? What was the process there? Did you you're starting the company right? And at some point, there's venture money, but do you go to your mom and your brother and yeah. ask them, hey, I need X amount of dollars, or hey, I you know our company needs whatever amount, and would you be willing to chip in? Are you like pitching it to them? What what's the process there? So uh, my parents, I mean, I'm the luckiest guy in the world to have parents like this. And, you know, for any of your, you know, your listeners, I mean, being a parent is truly the most important and rewarding thing I think you can do in life. And one of the things that my parents always promised me and and delivered on that promise was that they were always going to be my biggest fans. And they were, I mean, you know, whether it was, you know, in youth sports, they were always there watching my games or whether it was, uh, you know, when I used to be in the high school musicals or whatever it was, but the same was true with my, you know, entrepreneurial aspirations. And I had shared this idea with them um, and, uh, you know, they, they thought it was really good. And a few days later, they came to me without asking, they came to me and they gave me um, my first check, and and it was it was ten thousand um, dollars, which doesn't sound like a lot of money, but that was enough money to get the business at least off the ground um, to a place where we had like a real name and and you know and and those types of attributes. And that was the most important check we ever got because without that, probably I I didn't have the 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 means to do it on my own. Later, my parents wrote a lot of other checks and they had done well in their career so they could afford to kind of help us, but so did many others. Um, but yeah, I was very fortunate that, that they were there for me from day one. And in addition to the, 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 the cash that they gave us, you know, they allowed me to live at home rent-free for a long time. I was, you know, I was, I was, uh, I, I lived in, with my parents till I was 26 years old. So, uh, uh, 25 years old, but, but, you know, really almost till I got married. So um, I was fortunate about that, that they were so kind to let me, uh, you know, live there and they really believed in what I was doing and still do. Um, and it was fun to, to give, give them back that $10,000 and then some, uh, you know, over the last year, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's incredible. Um, and to your point, just had to be some of the motivation, right? When you're yeah. in uh, you know, random town in Arkansas on a Wednesday in July yep. in 2007. Right. And it's just like, well, Hey, you know, I got, I have people to, that, oh, yeah. you know, I'm paying back here. Definitely. Definitely. And you got to justify your own time. Right. And, you know, I was putting in huge amounts of hours and it's an opportunity cost. So, you know, I knew that I had to justify that, but, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think sales, regardless of whether you're working for someone else or working for yourself, it's a very entrepreneurial um, a career, right? I mean, most salespeople are, are, you know, they have to be self-motivated and driven. And, you know, most are individual contributors, not everybody, but most are individual contributors. So whether you have your own company or whether you're working for someone else, you can kind of, you know, envision your territory or your quota as really being your own. I mean, it's it's your own to, to win or lose. And so it, it's a lot like, 
having a business, regardless of you know whether that company is something you started or whether you work for a large corporation. Yeah. And so what do you do now? Well, what's the, you know, after the acquisition, are you still involved or are you taking it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's my life's work. So I, I still <laughs> am proud to be a parchy, as they say. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I still am doing largely what I did before the acquisition, which is so cool. And I've be, really gotten to know the, the executive management at Parchment well. And I think there's a, you know, mutual respect and trust there. So um, I'm, I'm probably until I, the time is no longer, uh, you know, right for me. I, I, I hope that I'll, I'll have a job and it keeps me busy and, and uh, it's fun and uh, I'm very proud of it. So uh, yeah, I have no, no plans to do anything different anytime soon. Uh, but I'm sure at some point, you know, I'll, I'll maybe get that entrepreneurial bug again and we'll, we'll start something else. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, the last piece that I wanted to bring up was, um, was mentorship. You know, we actually got connected through, you know, mutual friend of ours, um, that, you know, you, you have been mentoring him, whether it's formally or informally, it seems like for the last few years. So, uh, could you talk a little bit about, um, you know, what your stance is there on, on you, you know, you've, you've put so much into the sales profession and you've talked about giving back, like what, you know, what your thoughts are on that and, and maybe even any advice you would have to that young, you know, hungry salesperson that, you know, would love to have a mentor of someone that, you know, has been doing it for decades and, and could help them kind of guide them on their career path. Yeah. I, I, you know, I learned at an early age that people love to help each other and especially, um, you know, the older generation likes to help that, that younger generation. If they see somebody that's ambitious, that's smart, um, that's honest, uh, you know, they, they're willing to lend a hand and there's a tremendous, tremendous amount of people out there like that. Um, and you don't necessarily have to know them uh, directly. I mean, you know, you mentioned LinkedIn earlier, uh, you know, find somebody on LinkedIn that you think has had a good career and reach out to them and be very transparent and say, look, I'm not looking for, for I'm purely just looking for a, a mentor. Um, I think you'll be surprised at how willing people are to help you. Um, and most of us have had mentors and I just think it's so crucial. So. I was a benefactor of, of some great mentors. Um, and uh, I feel like it's, I feel like it's my duty now to be that for that next generation. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I think there's just so much that we can learn from people that have been there, done that. None of us, none of us can be held responsible for being great at what we do when we're younger, right? I mean, you got to have life experience you're not learning this stuff going to college. You're not. And, and, and so, um, you know, you got to get out there in the real world and, and start to, to be in the business world. And, and so I, I highly recommend it. I mean, find someone on LinkedIn, even if you think, oh my gosh, this person probably is so busy. Their title is too big. They're not going to want to help me. You'd be shocked. Reach out to them and just purely just be really, really honest about it and say, hey, I, I found you on LinkedIn. You, you know, I have an ambition for, for, you know, to be a, a sales professional. I'm really early in my career and I'm just looking for mentorship. You know, would you, would you take 20 minutes with me over the phone and chat a little bit? And I, I will bet you that, that more, more often than not, you'll hear, oh, sure, I'd love to. And people will, will, will help you. They really will. They'll give you advice. They might even connect you to, to that next deal that you're looking to close. You never know. Yeah. And then even from there, uh, you know, as the mentee, it's on you to, you know, follow up and, you know, yeah. take the advice that you were given and, and share, Hey, yeah. Hey, you know, Jeff, you said this and, you know, here's what I did and, you know, kind of stay in touch and not to be a pest and, you know, give them a, a daily update on your sales, but, you know, no. stay in touch and, and continue to, to, you know, share that you are trying to grow and you are continuing to develop. And that probably makes you more eager to want to keep giving. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and there's also a great, I mean, there's a great retired community out there. I mean, you know, humans are living longer than ever before. Right. And there's a lot of people out there, especially right now during COVID where, you know, they had a, a very good career. They might be in their sixties, maybe in their seventies, maybe they are not going to go out and run a marathon, but they still are sharp up here. 
and they've got a lot of knowledge. And many of these people, unfortunately, are 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 I hate to say it, but they're they're bored, uh, and and you know they're probably not going back into the workforce. But but they would love to help uh, somebody out, and they might be a source of. Uh, like I said, a source of contacts or uh, other things, but but they more likely are just going to tell you about their experience and and give you some tips and tricks. And uh, um, it's it's a it's a powerful thing. And I, I think to, more more people need to take advantage of those resources. And and I'm not kidding. There's a ton of people out there that 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 are there to you know help people. Amen. You just got to go out there and find them and and, and not be afraid to reach out. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I appreciate the time, man. Um, it was fun, Tom. You've got is, a great thing this going. Is a blast. This is a Thanks blast. For, for all you do for the profession and for you know for for the millennial uh, talent that's out there. I, I I told you early on, I'm a I'm an optimist. I think the world is uh, going to solve all these uh, you know issues and uh, life will get back to some normalcy. And if you're in the sales profession. And especially as a young person, you have the opportunity for a long and illustrious career ahead of you. So stick to what you're doing, and uh, you know you'll 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 be you'll be in good shape. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So if folks want to, you know, if they're intrigued by this conversation, they want to you know reach out to you and say hello, or they want to get to know you better. Uh, what's the best route to do that? Is it LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn is awesome. You can look me up, uh, you know, Jeff at, at Parchment. Uh, I'm also happy to give out my my professional email address, which is uh, uh, jharris at parchment.com. Feel free to reach out to me if you'd like. I, I, I love helping people too. So I'm, you know, to, 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 as my schedule allows, I'm, I'm more than happy to, you know, lend, a, lend, a, lend my help. That's great. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, everyone else, Hit Jeff up on LinkedIn. He's You got his email and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Keep up the great work. Thanks so much.